You are listening to The Star Coach Show with Meg Rentschler, episode 206. Clearly, the non-financial rewards and benefits are more impactful, uh, especially around loyalty uh, than money. Welcome to Star Coaches, the show for professional coaches that brings you coaching strategies, tools, and resources. Whatever your focus or niche, take a front seat weekly as industry leaders, decision makers, and innovators share their wisdom and expertise on the ins and outs of successful coaching. Now join your host, Meg Rinchler, as she connects you with your star coaching potential. Hello and welcome to the Star Coach Show. I'm your host, Meg Rentschler, executive and mentor coach and coach educator. I am delighted to welcome you to today's show. We're talking about such an important topic, appreciation in the workplace. And as our esteemed guest, Dr. Paul White, points out, that is not something that's just done top down in an organization. When appreciation in the workplace is done well, it's done throughout, and it is a peer-to-peer situation, it's a top-down, it is a all-around kind of situation. In today's show, we are going to talk about the concepts presented in the book, The Five Languages of Appreciation in the Workplace. Empowering Organizations by Encouraging People. That book has been written by Dr. Gary Chapman and Dr. Paul White. Now, that concept of five languages might seem familiar to you. And one of the author's names, or both of the author's names might be familiar to you, but Dr. Gary Chapman is the author of the number one New York Times bestseller, The Five Love Languages. And Dr. White, who is our guest today, talks about how he thinks clicked for him about the concepts that Dr. Chapman was bringing forward in his book and the work that Dr. White was doing in organizations and how he pulled those together and then worked with Dr. Chapman to bring these concepts to us. Super helpful. This interview today walks through the different languages of appreciation, how they show up in the workplace. So helpful for any of you who are coaching in organizations, any of you who are working in organizations, just wrapping your mind around the incredible research that these gentlemen have gathered as well. Dr. White is a psychologist, a speaker, and an international leadership trainer. He makes work relationships work. His company is Appreciation at Work, and it provides training resources for corporations, medical facilities, schools, nonprofits, government agencies, many, many colleges and universities, and is operational in over 60 countries. As I mentioned, he is the co-author with Dr. Gary Chapman of The Five Languages of Appreciation in the Workplace. It has already sold over 500,000 copies. They have just revamped it and brought it out again in a shiny new 
edition, and I am super excited to introduce you to Dr. Paul White as we talk about the five languages of appreciation in the workplace. Dr. Paul White, welcome to the Star Coach Show. Thanks for joining me today. You bet. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. You do really important work, work that speaks to my heart and I think to the heart of many. So today we're going to be talking about the book, The Five Languages of Appreciation in the Workplace, Empowering Organizations by Encouraging People. Like I said, such important work. What led you into interest in this topic? Yeah, it's actually a couple of steps. So I'm a psychologist by training and and had a practice. And then a number of years ago, some friends of mine knew that I grew up in the context of a family-owned business and had sort of lived through the life stages of that. They kept running into family issues because 85% of the companies in the U.S. are family-owned. And so asked me to help them out to deal with the family issues. So I started uh, consulting with family-owned businesses, dealing with the family relationships that intertwined both with business, business succession planning, and that kind of thing. And I got to travel around the U.S. and meet with bunch of interesting people and business owners. In the midst of that, I was working with a family and company in North Carolina. It was a building construction company and met with the dad and went in, chatted with him, said, you know, how's it going as far as the transition plan that we put in place? He said, yeah, I think it's going pretty well. I, you know, uh, my son's stepping up. I think he's doing a good job. I walk across the hall after we're done and asking his son the same question. He says, this is a disaster. It's never going to work. I can't ever please my dad. And, you know, they were just sort of missing each other. Right. And my wife and I had been reading The Five Love Languages by Dr. Chapman on personal relationships, which is a great book. It's really helpful. I thought, I wonder if this could help. And so I actually wound up pursuing Dr. Chapman for over a year and finally got to meet with him and sort of pitched the idea. And some various things happened. We actually started and built our online assessment tool first and then some training materials and then wrote the book after that. So that's sort of the path. So the concept first of all, of you seeing something that you knew would bring value, pursuing Dr. Chapman for a year. I just give you kudos for that because I think many times we have a light go off or something that we're passionate about and then maybe it's just a flash in the pan or we don't pursue it. So I just thank you for pursuing it because it has led to this book that I think brings so much value And my listeners, many know that I was a psychotherapist for over 20, 25 years and saw all this dispirit, the the, um, sort of breaking down of spirit and energy in my clients coming to, to therapy. And so much was coming from the workplace. That sort of led me into executive coaching, wanting to help empower people in the workplace. So your work certainly does exactly that. And I'm wondering if we could start in the place of the importance of appreciation. What has your research and and the work that you've done shown to highlight what is the importance of appreciation? Yeah, I think it's a a key aspect both for leaders and for coaches of leaders because a lot of business and organizational leaders sort of misunderstand that, well, yeah, we want our people to be happy and feel good. And that's nice. And we'd like that. But in actuality, I mean, we 
published the book initially in 2011, then rewrote it and updated the research in 2019, and have a chapter of over 50 research citations that show that when team members feel valued and appreciated, which unfortunately isn't as often as we would like, yes. obviously, good things happen. I mean, uh, we know that absenteeism goes down, tardiness goes down, conflict over stupid little things <laughs> simmers down, staff turnover reduces, productivity goes up, employee theft goes down, employee on-the-job accidents goes down. I mean, all kinds of things. Customers' ratings, uh, satisfaction ratings go up. Productivity rises, as does profitability. I mean, uh, one research showed that, you know, companies that their team members self-valued and appreciated uh, were 22% more profitable than those that weren't. And so it really is about sort of making the business function well. And Sometimes I use the image of, you know, business being somewhat like a machine and appreciation is like the oil in between the parts that helps make it move smoothly and not spark and, and chunk. So important. So if anybody's listening, thinking, well, this is just woo-woo or the warm fuzzies, it's really far more than, not that there's anything wrong with warm fuzzies, but it, it goes much deeper than that. And when you were looking at how do we sort of categorize the places that people, the languages of appreciation for people? You came up with five different languages, just like the languages of love. There's five languages. But how did you, how did you zero in on what those languages were going to be? Well, you know, we knew that the five love languages had been very successful and accurate just from all the feedback and the sales. I mean, it sold over 15 million books. <laughs> over. It years. spoke so, to people. There's no yeah, doubt about it. Yeah. yeah it, it hit the mark. And so we said, well, let's start there and see. And, you know, we had concerns about physical touch. We're wondering, I don't know, and talked to people and, and got feedback. And, and in actuality, our online inventory only assesses four words of affirmation, quality time, acts of service, tangible gifts. And physical touch, we found, is there. It's quite removed. It's less than 1% have that as their top language in, in the workforce. but we felt like we wanted to keep that from a conceptual point of view because we didn't want to advocate a touchless society even in the workplace because we know that appropriate physical touch in appropriate relationships can be quite meaningful. And also it happens. I mean, essentially, and I'll maybe skip ahead a little bit, but physical touch is just essentially spontaneous celebration. It's, a, you know, it's a, at least historically, it's been a high five when you, you know, fix something or fist bump when you, you know, solve a problem or make a sale. So it's there. It differs regionally. You know, mm -hmm. uh, in the Northeast, they're more distant and they sort of just nod from across the room and say, hey, you know, but in the South uh, and even in the West, you know, they're more sort of side hugs and bro hugs and all that. We'll see how it goes after the COVID. Right. But uh, I, I think it will remain at least the fist bump. I think that seems to be the one that's sort of still there. Oh, good. And I could see, you know, even sort of touching somebody's arm or just, you know, Obviously, it, like you said, it's got to be cautious. We, we mm. certainly don't want to be inappropriate with touch, but we're human beings and, and from infancy need, yep. need that connection. So I, I can tell you that we've had over 250,000 people worldwide take our online inventory and, and it continues and continues to grow. So I think, I think the languages are valid. And one of the things we learned is that just knowing a person's language in the workplace is good, but it's not sufficient that you really need to know the specific actions within the language because they take quality time 
some people would like time with their supervisor or manager to be able to talk and share ideas, whatever. And others don't. They say, you know, my supervisor is pretty intense and I'm shy. Yeah, I'd prefer like, not. Thank you. But yeah. they like to hang out with their friends and their colleagues. Okay. And that's true for more and more younger employees that it's more about collegial relationships rather than with their, their supervisor. Perfect. So why don't we start with words of affirmation and just give a couple examples within each of the categories. We've sort of already jumped to five and done physical touch, but so that people can be looking through that lens of the workplace and what you have gained from the work that you've done here. Your language of appreciation, number one, was words of affirmation. And you say lots of really rich information about this in the book, but give us a little bit of a view into what might that look like in the workplace? Well, words of affirmation are the most frequently chosen primary language by people. It's 46%. So it's, you know, a big group, but it's still less than half of all the employees. So we have to sort of keep that in mind. And it's pretty simple and straightforward. They're words that are affirming and we're affirming the value of what somebody's done. And it could be, you know, personal one-on-one conversation. It could be in front of a small team and group and say, you know, Stephanie, what a great job you did on handling that difficult client the other day. Thanks for doing that. One of the things we know is that people, a large group, about 40% of employees don't want to go up in front of a, a big, large group to be recognized that they actually absolutely don't want to. And so what we have to sort of tailor what they want. And the other thing is we, we've got 96,000 or so people on our newsletter and we do polls occasionally. And we ask people, what don't you like to hear? Because I think it's important as well. And one of the main things they don't want to hear is good job. And the reason is that it's too vague in general, and it doesn't really take much thought and it doesn't mean a whole lot. You know, so we really teach a model of using a person's name and if you're writing it to spell it correctly and be very specific. The more specific you are, the more likely your communication is going to be viewed as genuine and authentic rather than sort of just this vague kind of thing. So it's okay to start with sort of a group email, you know, way to go team. We met our goals for the quarter, but you really have to get past that to help the individual feel that. So being really genuine and authentic in that appreciation, not just blowing smoke, people know when you're blowing smoke. Yeah. I mean, one of the issues that we deal with is, you know, because some of us either don't know or understand or don't value and appreciate somebody. And we say, don't fake it. Don't try to, you know, just blow through it. And we have some strategies to help people learn maybe ways to value and appreciate somebody by getting to know them a little bit better. So yeah, we don't want them to fake it. It needs to be very specific. And, and then it works. I mean, that authenticity, I mean, we talk about employee recognition is clearly very different than authentic appreciation. And we're not trying to get people to sort of look like they appreciate somebody. It's either you do or you don't. Or you don't. And that concept of being appreciated, I know for there's research out there that if we're ignored or completely like invisible to our supervisor or feel like we're invisible at work, that's actually even more impactful than being treated badly at work. Yeah. So I think that, that, that that's right there kind of overwhelming or not overwhelming, but I mean, it's, it's very pertinent that people want to be seen. They want to be acknowledged. Yeah. One of the key statistics that always impacted me is that 79% of the people who leave a job voluntarily cite a lack of appreciation as one of the key reasons for them leaving. Most managers and business owners think people leave for more money. They actually have decades of research to show that's not the case, that clearly the non-financial 
rewards and benefits are more impactful, uh, especially around loyalty uh, than money. It's so important. So then we've got quality time. How is quality time showing up in the workplace? Yeah, so quality time, it, it's a good, big, solid group of about 26% of the, of the workforce, so about one out of every four employees views and values quality time. And quality time is one of those things that actually helped us shape our inventory from just finding out a person's language to the actions because quality time, you know, there used to be saying people don't leave a job, they leave a manager, right? Less true than it used to be, still somewhat true, but uh, younger employees really value collegial relationships. And so quality time, the heart of it is focused attention, that you're there, you're not paying attention to something else, you're not distracted, you're giving their full attention interacting with them. It could be listening. It could be that they're asking you questions, but clearly not looking at your cell phone, not typing on the computer, not, you know, if you're in a restaurant, not looking at the TV or whatever. And, and so that's a core aspect. But for some people, the time is about just sort of companionship. They just like to do stuff with people rather than do it by themselves. Right. You know? And, and, or being able to spend time with the people that they like, which is a key aspect, it gives them a sense of being valued. And, you know, and, I tell leaders, I say, just because one of your team members has quality time as uh, their language doesn't mean they want time with you, right? You may be great. You may be wonderful, but, you know, they may want to go hang out and have lunch with their friends or go watch sports afterwards with them and you're not invited. <laughs> so we have to sort of have that as an aspect. And, and, you know, for some people, words just don't get it, right? I mean, it's like, you know, words are cheap or don't. Don't tell me you care, show me. And so quality time is part of that. And actually, if you think about it, it's really our highest valued sort of resource right now is our time. And so when we choose to respond and spend time with people, and I have to say, it's not a lot of time. I mean, I had one CFO tell me, she said, you know, my language is quality time. And all I want really is somebody to stop by and check in, see how I'm doing. And after five minutes, I'm booting them because I got too much to do. So but it, it meant something to have that five minutes or that person's putting their head through the door and Absolutely. checking in. So good. And that actually leads me to just say that we are going to get to you, this whole chapter that you have about how to do this virtually, since that right. seems to be our life right now. But yeah. before we go there, let's move through the, the sure. languages. So acts of service, what does that look like? Yeah, access service, again, is one that can be misinterpreted. It's not rescuing a, a low-performing you know, team member. It's really just doing small things that can help make their day or week go better. And probably the easiest example of that is when we're on a time-limited project that you know, we're pushing to get it done, what's something that somebody can do to help us reach our goal? Sometimes it can be helping us out with that project that they have a you know, capability that we can hand off part of it to. Sometimes it's that they are doing some of our little daily tasks so that we can keep focused on the project. It also could be, you know, sort of running interference around phone calls or meetings or emails so that we aren't distracted that way. Or it could be as simple as, you know, maybe bringing in lunch, you know, so we can keep working on it. So access service is a very interesting one that is very specific to the industry and even the role because Helping somebody out, you know, in an office setting is very different than in a medical setting, a nurse, say, you know, in the ER or whatever, or uh, at a school setting. Or Or at a construction site. I mean, they would all look so different. Yeah. Absolutely. And so there's some core aspects. I mean, one, you have to ask. (laughs) Well, you know, and but, you know, culturally, most people say, 
no, I'm good, right? I mean, we sort of say, I'm not. but you push through and say, no, really, I got some time. I'd be glad to help you out. And, and as long as they know that you're going to do it their way and that at the quality level they want, then, then it, it's good to go. It can be very meaningful. It's access services, 22% of the, of the workforce, about one out every five people. I had one CEO tell me, he said, yeah, my language is get her done. You know, don't tell me stuff. Don't give me stuff. Just, you know, help me get things off my plate. And I know you're on my team. Excellent. And then we've got tangible gifts, which I think is where many people's mind thinks that that's what it is for everybody. And it's really not. It's not. And it's not in, in the business setting. It's not compensation. It's not raises. It's not bonuses. It's not some big vacation to Hawaii or whatever. It's really small things that show that you're getting to know the person. And I guess let me back up and just say that we really differentiate between appreciation and recognition. Recognition, employee recognition is, is okay when it's done well and, and implemented. But we believe that appreciation is about the person and it's not always related to performance, which has some challenges, but it really makes it valuable too for people that you're trying to help, you know, aren't quite up to the high performing level yet. And tangible gifts is one of those where it is about the person. It could be bringing in their favorite type of coffee in the morning or, you know, when you order pizza for the team, you make sure you get the kind of pizza that they like. It can be gift cards. Some people like generic gift cards. They can use it however they want. Other people like very specific gift cards so they can't use it for daily life and have to use it, you know, for music or for their pet or whatever they'd like. And then, and then also it's just small things maybe around their hobbies um, that maybe they're starting to coach a, a soccer team or whatever. And you get them a magazine, you know, about, you know, youth soccer or putting in a garden. So it's really at a personal level. And I love it, that. It, the, the concept that, you know, it's the thought that counts. Is right. Really key here versus the amount of money. Excellent. And what's the percentage of people that they come in at tangible gifts being their language? Yeah, this is an important one because, you know, so many organizations focus on recognition reward programs. It's only 6% of the population value tangible gifts as their primary language. Now, having said that, tangible gifts along with one of the other languages, it mm-hmm. can be quite powerful. But people have repeatedly told me, you know, if I never hear anything positive, if nobody checks in to see how I'm doing, if I don't get any help when I'm working on a project and I get a gift. And it's not only a gift, it's a gift they didn't have to pay for, <laughs> you know, right. it's like, it doesn't mean a whole lot. And so, you know, that, that's the issue is thinking about them and figuring out, you know, what they might like. Well, and it just really, what I heard loud and clear with that is taking time to say, gosh, what kind of pizza do you like? Or that this is a gift card to a specific thing that I know feeds into one of your hobbies or whatever. Yeah. That's so much, that just means that, that I care... I care enough to find out about that much about you. Yep. I, li- I really like that. So we've already talked about physical touch. I think you right. did a really nice job talking about how that can be appropriate in the workplace and, and how we are human beings and, and connection is, is part of that. And you've talked about the difference between recognition and appreciation, which I appreciate because that was next on my list for you. But we are currently in a place where we are at home or in, in remote locations. We are definitely distancing right now. And I work with several leaders 
that over this past several months, it has come up repeatedly. Meg, how can I really connect and let my team know that they're important to me, that I value them? How can I keep the, the camaraderie going? And so your book falls right into that. And you've got this whole chapter on how can we do this remotely? Obviously, there's going to be some teams that are remote teams all the time. Right. Um, but right now, that's more the norm than the unique state. So how can we keep this connection going? How can we appreciate people remotely? Give us, yeah. give us some help here, Dr. White. Sure. So, you know, even since the book was rewritten, we did some additional research and compared remote employees and on-site employees about how they'd like to be shown appreciation. Um, surveyed 86,000 people's results. And we found that remote employees, and this is pre-COVID, this part, and I got some since COVID, but pre-COVID, it was like, okay, we'd like to connect at least occasionally by video. Because at that point, a lot of it was email, text, phone calls, and they like to at least, and even for a team meeting, be able to sort of connect visually. But more importantly than that, we found that you really need to be proactive in reaching out to remote employees because you don't have those spontaneous interactions where you're you know, walking down the hall and you stop by their office or you see them in the break room or coming in you know, in the morning. And so it, those don't happen. And so you don't have those times to just sort of check in, right? And, and along with that is that there's a, a risk with remote employees that all the communication is about work. Because when we schedule conferences and you know, calls and all that, we're talking about tasks and so forth. But we don't have those times to just sort of say, hey, how was your weekend? Or how are the kids doing? And, you know, what do you think about the Chiefs or whoever your team is? And so it takes that proactive part, but not only being proactive, but being proactive in the sense of being personal. And lots of times leaders forget that there is a power dynamic that occurs in work relationships. And if you're always asking questions, it can start to feel a little, little bit like interrogation, right? Right. And so a relationship hopefully is a two-way thing. So it's really helpful to share some about, hey, you know what I did this weekend? I got to go sailing this weekend or whatever. And so that it opens up that you're sharing and being a bit vulnerable about that as an opening to allow them to share. And so in the remote setting, we have, since we don't have those spontaneous interactions, you really have to sort of set that up either at the beginning of a call, at the end, or maybe, you know, email them and say, hey, I'd like to just check in for 10 minutes or so. When would be a good time? Because you don't know what's going on with them, right? Right. And so do that. And again, I want to come back to the peer relationships that appreciation and, and support is not just top down. And one of the things you can do when you're coaching leaders is to help them not take all the responsibility themselves. In fact, we developed our materials. We have resource materials. We created a virtual appreciation training that you can use by video conference. But it's not just for the leader, the supervisor. We want to help encourage your team members to connect as well. So then this spring, we did uh, research and followed a group of newly working from home employees for four weeks and had them respond on how they were doing and how they were coping with the stress and what was going on, what wasn't. Again, that personal aspect was huge. Uh, an important one as a leader that you're going to have to deal with, and I'm already seeing it, is that over half of the employees said they really, really enjoyed the extra time they got from not commuting and not having to go in. And I was just reading some research this weekend on that working from home is not going as well as everybody initially thought, which is no surprise to me. We're people, we have relationships. And so you have to figure out some ways to connect. But 
you need to be aware that you're going to get some pushback from people that they want to at least work part-time from home and have to figure that out. And, and I think the other part is in the big picture of things, people are anxious, right? Because things are unsettled, they're right. unpredictable, they're insecure. And so you have to be aware that in, in whether that's around work stuff, around finances, around their kids and school, around their parents' health, Mm-hmm. You know, my kids are more worried about my health than I am, you know, and so, so that's all there. And so I think you have to understand that anxiety and helping give people tools for dealing with anxiety is critical to help sort of bring that down. And, and one little tool I help people just that anxiety is a fear about the future. It's not about the past. And one way to reduce anxiety is to reduce the amount of future you think about, right? Because it's easier to sort of cope with today or tomorrow, this week versus two months, six months. And so helping them sort of contain that and only focus on the things that they really can deal with right now. And that's going to be an important ongoing piece as we help people and leaders. So important and helpful. What else about appreciation in the workplace do we want to be sure we offer up today in the face of coaches working with with other people in the face of this, but also just kind of anybody who might be tuning in and interested in how they can really encourage people through appreciation? Yeah, I think one of the most frequent questions is, you know, how do you know what somebody's language of appreciation is? And to be honest, I mean, it's a weird question. You know, if I ask, you know, well, how, how would you like to be shown appreciation? You know, it's like, I don't know, maybe tell me thanks. You know, and that's about all you get. And it's sort of weird. And, you know, you think through, well, maybe I'll sort of watch what they do. Well, we did some research, and that's not a great predictor of what their language is, especially for gift givers. They like to give gifts, but not necessarily receive it. As well as you don't have that many data points, right, to watch and observe somebody get or receive appreciation. So it seems sort of self-serving, but the reality is we've only found that having people take our inventory and a code for it comes with the book, or you can buy codes independently for your team members, and they're relatively inexpensive. I mean, they're like 15 to 20 bucks a person. Right. And so and it identifies their primary language, their secondary, their, their actions that are important to them, and your least valued language, the one that's sort of your blind spot. It's the one you don't really value, but you've got team members around that do. And so we found, and we have on our website, appreciationatwork.com, we've got free resources for creating a group profile, some action lists and so forth. So you know, it's, it's, you've got to be specific if you just, and part of our goal is that we want to help people hit the mark versus just shotgun, do everything for everybody. You don't want to send mail, emails to everybody, check in. We want to help you really get to the target so that you don't waste your time and energy. Well, and so that you're really putting the biggest bang behind your butt. I mean, if, if you've got a 10 people on your team that you're really targeting what's important to each one of those people. Can you talk a little bit more about the blind spot? Sure. So, you know, all of us have preferences and then things that aren't important to us. And it's not really a weakness. It's just who we are. We don't think about it. You know, if time's not important to us, we don't think about stopping by to check in on somebody. And so one of the things that we found with leaders and actually everyone is you sort of have to structure that a little bit. Otherwise, you never remember it. And one of the things that we've done to help create and change culture is create visual symbols. So we have symbols for each language. You can attach it to your email signature. 
We have posters that you can make. Uh, we actually have a cubicle poster that you can identify your top two languages and your top actions as well. And it's just a reminder. And one of the things that we tell people, it's, it's not that you're saying, hey, you know, you should do this for me. It's like, hey, I haven't heard any praise lately. <laughs> so, you know, <laughs> Come on, people, fill my well here. <laughs> I'm, I'm running a little dry. But, but the issue is, if you want to show appreciation or encouragement to me, this is how you do it and hit the mark. Because we don't want people wasting time and energy not doing things that, you know, don't work. And I guess that speaks to the issue of that they're really, I, I think, being honest, that appreciation is less important than it was six, nine months ago, and encouragement and support are more important. And the, the difference that I make is that appreciation is about the past, right? You, what you've done and your character. Encouragement is about the present and the future. And that's really where we are in the workplace. People are really having to press and deal with all different kinds of stressors. And the five languages of appreciation can be applied either as encouragement for the present or the, or the future and say, hang in there, keep going. I know you're, you know, working hard and, you know, what can I do to be of help you, to you? And so we need to understand that. Otherwise, you know, it, I mean, a lot of businesses, you know, are sort of just struggling to survive. Right. And we know that people need support to keep going. And, and I think it's a key skill and sort of set of behaviors to teach leaders and to help them teach their teams. And so that's why we created sort of very low-cost apply research or, and resources that they can use themselves versus having to bring in, you know, a, a big trainer or whatever. But it's also a resource that coaches can use with their clients to, to, as sort of a, you know, a skill builder, clearly in, right. in the emotional intelligence aspect. So good. Thank you so much for the work that you do and for taking time to enlighten all of us on what we can be looking for and also helping those that we work with determine how they can increase the appreciation within the workplace so that people do feel more empowered. You bet. I'm glad to have been able to share. Thanks for the opportunity. Absolutely. I just continue to be, first of all, so in awe of all the great work that different professionals are doing in the world, and then grateful that they come to share that with us here so that their work can help us be that much more impactful in our work. So I want to once again thank Dr. Paul White for bringing his specialty to the show today. If you'd like to know more about Dr. Paul White's work, his book, The Five Languages of Appreciation in the Workplace, his company, Appreciation at Work. Go to starcoachshow.com. Episode 206 show notes will have links so that you can stay in contact with the work that he's doing. I invite you to join us next week as I have the joy to spend time with a dear friend, a master certified coach, a wonderful coach instructor. Tijan Jinko is joining me to discuss deep listening and what we need to pay attention to when we're in a place of deep listening, how we partner with our clients the things that might get in the way of that and how we get them out of the way so that we can 
get back to that place of deep listening and partnership with our clients. So join me next week for that interview. And as always, if you're enjoying the show, I would very much appreciate a rate and review wherever you listen to the show, whether that's Apple Podcasts, whether that is on Spotify or Amazon or wherever you're listening, a rate and review would be greatly appreciated so that more people can find the show and benefit from experts like Dr. White. Until next week, this is Meg Rentschler wishing you the very best for your coaching success. Have a fantastic week.